Hello and welcome to Enough Liquor, a podcast where no one can be scared when they hear our podcast, except maybe the Kaiser, as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 119th episode in the series, like the beep, beep, beep of the tom-tom. Over there. Over there. <laughs> so classic. Like Every time it's I, crazy. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, the guy saluting. Oh, I gonna... know it's coming. I yeah. but it still gets me every time. It's so funny. It's so it's, like it's perfect. It's real. I believe perfect. it. I believe that that man would do that. Man veteran. <laughs> exactly. I I get that song stuck in my head for like weeks after I watch this episode. It's it's just so great. It's so fucking. It's catchy. catchy. Um, yeah, which we'll we'll discuss later. So, um, <laughs> but uh, but this is you know this is another one of those episodes where we deal with you know the the sort of perils of aging and what it does to you emotionally, but also like by using Blanche, like her being fearful of aging, but also fearful of losing the one thing that she really defines herself by, which is her sexuality. So I think it's really interesting that they pick her um, to get the pacemaker, the youngest of the bunch, <laughs> you know, um, so they can sort of play those two sides. Yeah. Yeah. A woman in her <laughs> great looking gal in her forties with a pacemaker. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, <laughs> what I, age and did I you think... tell him? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, Blanche, whenever there's a health thing that comes up for her, uh, I think the first time and probably the most uh, sort of notable time is when um, the end of the curse, when when she goes into menopause, it's like her sexuality is, like you said, sort of the only piece of her health that like, I mean, not the only piece, but like the biggest piece of her health that she's concerned about. And it is how she defines herself. And so when something like this comes up or um, like she's got this misguided sort of belief that fertility and sexuality and femininity and all of these things like need to be as they once were or as she thinks they should be. And if any of those things are off, then like, it's kind of like an all or nothing. Like she's like, well, I can't have a sex life yes. at all because I have a pacemaker now. And so my physical health. She's afraid to kiss him, you know? Yeah, sparks. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was so funny. You're right. It is, she's very all or nothing in a lot of ways, right? In her personality, yeah. but like, yeah, particularly with this. I always thought that was weird. Even as like a kid being like, you can't even kiss the guy. I was like, wow, I guess she like really doesn't know how to put the brakes on if she, you know, goes from kissing to boning like immediately, which as we see, you know, spoiler alert at the end of the episode, she's like, oh, wow, I could kiss you. Let's go fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just everything. Can't make fine. any promises. <laughs> Why? Yeah. It's hysterical. Um, I do want to bring up, so something I, interesting that I learned from Jim Colucci's book, other than the fact that you know, the pacemaker conversation came from uh, one of the, the writers or producers um, wives got a pacemaker. And it was just one of those things where it's like, well, this show is perfect for that vehicle, right? Because, you know, people of a certain age are probably more likely to get pacemakers. And it's, you know, it, it could also be a thing that a young-ish person would need, right? Um, as well as the, you know, the benefits of like having a checkup and making sure, you know, as they do in the beginning of like, hey, you know, we want to keep tabs on your heartbeat and other things like that, that it's like really important to go to a doctor to measure these things, as opposed to like, 
oh, you know, I know something has been hurting me for a while. I will go to the doctor to see about it versus like, you're not going to know if your heart is skipping a beat. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're typically not going to feel that. Um, and I'm speaking from experience here because my, my very young husband in his early thirties had to have open heart surgery because a routine checkup caught something weird, like a little murmur in his heart. And it turned out he had this congenital condition um, that could have been fatal if not attended to. So go to the, our, our shitty, shitty American healthcare systems checkups doctors. As, as terrible as it is, it's really important to talk to a professional to make sure that your heart, among other internal organs, are doing okay. PSA. Uh, yeah, really heartfelt PSA there. <laughs> a very heartfelt one. Um, hey, another thing that I learned <laughs> from Colucci's book. Um, is something I didn't actually know about. So um, in syndication and on the DVDs, um, you know, Hulu and et cetera, everything that's sort of like professionally put out there now as opposed to original broadcast actually is missing a scene from this episode. So, you know, the part later on where um, Blanche is lamenting and says, you know, uh, like, I don't care about that anymore. I don't care about anything anymore. And life has no meaning. And Sophia just goes, so who's for popcorn? Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a funny joke. And it's such a, like, I, you know, Blanche is basically saying she doesn't care. So we're going to move on for topics of conversation. And I'm going to talk about something that's important to me, which is popcorn. Um, that joke sure. works like in the episode as it is now, but there's, um, there's actually a deeper part of it that had been cut. So when Sophia walks in and she makes the joke about, um, being a hospital worker and stealing things, which is, <laughs> we could talk about that separately, <laughs> like some kind of awful, terrible stereotype there. Um, she comes in and says, Hey, where's my microwave popcorn? And Rose says, oh, Sophia, we can't use the microwave because the doctor says that it could interfere with Blanche's pacemaker. And Dorothy says, Oh yeah. Like they're actually coming to, you know, pick it up. We're donating it. And she's like, same thing with cup noodles. <laughs> she's like, you know, going on and on about like wanting to use the microwave. I love this popcorn, blah, 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 blah. Blanche could die. Um, and so then later, you know, Blanche comes in, says, where's my money, old woman, all that stuff. And, and then delivers the lie about life has no meaning. So who's for popcorn? So it's even like a deeper, darker meaning where Blanche is basically saying like, I don't care if I die. Sophia, Sophia's like, great, well, we can kill you and use the microwave. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's way so, darker than it really comes off. Um, I know that's really yeah, exactly that, right. If you think about it, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and like, so the medical community never believed that microwaves affect pacemakers. It's just like a like a widely held misinformation. So. <laughs> interesting. I think it was misinformation. You know, because our society has been doing misinformation. It's not. It's not just us these days. It's been doing it forever. Um, and it could have been actually based on like something where it was like they didn't know enough about how microwaves affected it or something like that. I honestly don't know, but it was clearly not true. <laughs> and, right. and unfortunately, the show propagated it and got a lot of angry letters, rightfully so from cardiologists in the medical community saying like, that's not right. <laughs> that's actually really harmful. And I think what's really fascinating is that the entire point of this show, like the actual thesis of it is that you can get a pacemaker and do everything you can normally do. And it's not going to affect your life. Whereas then like, there's this whole scene that's like, oh yeah, but just like be aware that you can't go into like any modern kitchen. <laughs> yeah. No more cup noodles. <laughs> no more cup noodles forever. Uh, you have to buy your, you know, uh, popcorn pre-popped. Um, anyway, 
So yeah, yeah. that's interesting. But if you honestly, if you go on YouTube and um, just Google like Golden Girls scene not on DVD, uh, and you know find the one that that, that they're referring, that's pretty much the only one that they're referring to. There's a little preamble about like the beep 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 of the tom tom, um, and you can watch it. Yeah, wow, that's really cool. That that's interesting because I think like. Um, it's a real nod to the editors to make it so seamless and to also make it work without that context. Yes. Because um, exactly. like we talk so about hard. Hallmark a lot, like chopping, chopping and Hallmark yeah. is just like, you would totally miss major plot points. I feel like if that was the only way you were watching. <laughs> I know, um, they take out whole whole threads. Like, They're like, like no seven story. minutes of this <laughs> 22 minutes, like a giant chunk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a really good job. It's like the clip show at the end of baseball games of like, you know, yeah, like you don't even know what you're doing. Reels. I know, <laughs> but you're <laughs> so right. You're bad. right. The editing is really difficult and it's kind of a, it's an amazing testament to the joke that it actually works um, without like the, the, what is supposed to be the setup. It's supposed to be a callback. And it actually just works as a standalone joke. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, it's really, it's fascinating because it really does play perfectly to, <laughs> plays perfectly to the, uh, the character um, of Sophia, right? Like she just being callous and like thinking about her, uh, her popcorn, which is her snack, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyway, so back up to the, to the top, we have an amazing opener. <laughs> Yeah, infinity commercials <laughs> wind water rocks yeah it's so good and it's so like what like where did it come from you know it's it's such a standalone scene um but it is really yeah. funny <laughs> i mean it comes it comes from probably the writers watching the exact same commercial over and over and over right and it's such a it's a niche reference that's like only of this time. It'd be like us referencing Geico commercials in the early 2000s, you know? Like, it's like, we just, everybody knows it, even if you hardly watch TV, because it's just like by osmosis, it just happens so often that people pick it up. So I think it's really funny. And, you know, again, a testament to Matt Browning's book is like really important to be like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> like, it's something very much of the time, you know? Um, but it's funny because it's like, I think, it's just so funny right out the gate. And I think like of late, especially in this like new writing era of fifth season is like, they're just doing such a great job of like just immediately starting with hilarity. Uh, you know, and I, I wonder if it's like trying to hook people who are just like really slow on the uptake for the Golden Girls bandwagon, right? Like you turn on the channel and then you have to like have really, really funny jokes with no plot, I guess, that comes forth um, immediately, you know, like to try to catch you. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, I think that's interesting. Cause like thinking about it's pretty foreign. I feel like now from the way that we watch TV, but um, you know, if you were watching whatever <laughs> was on so. before the golden girls, it would just sort of roll into it. And maybe you got up to do something, but I feel like the TV would be on um, or like right. just like kind of absentmindedly leaving it on. And that joke, like it's a really well-written and obviously um really well-performed joke because if you have no idea the context of Dorothy and Sophia you don't know who they are at all like it's still really funny and it, it's kind of like right. the cold open of SNL where it's like this is gonna be funny and then like sometimes SNL <laughs> it's like yeah. that's where SNL peaks um but like but you know what I mean like it, it <laughs> yeah, pulls people in who have, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> but like people have no context still like that and are like oh wow yeah like this show is funny and for us people who have like fans 
um, it works too. And it works, I, I assume on like a, another level, but like, it's really, yeah. um, it's really something to be able to write a joke. I think that hits with both people who have never, ever seen the show and people like at this point, people like us who have watched the show a million times. Um, and it's still funny. And that's, that's something special. I think <laughs> it is, it is. And yeah, I mean, Sophia is just the perfect vehicle for this, and Dar- as well as Dorothy being like, you know, oh my gosh, like I had no idea. And she's like, nah, it's those damn Infinity commercials. Like, yeah. I'm not being deep. Like, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, it's like, it is it is a testament to, you know, again, like being able to write a joke that works both ways with the missing, you know, setup uh, removed. Uh, it's the same thing with like writing a joke that works for just like generic funny character as well as like matching the personality. So it's really, it's great. I mean, they just, everybody is so well known and so well written now. And I think it's interesting because because the characters are so honed and I've mentioned this before, like the latter seasons start seeing almost like going overboard with like caricatures or personality yeah. types like famously you know B Arthur is like all right I don't like the way my character's being written because I think she becomes more of a caricature of like a one more one-dimensional sort of lonely person or like pathetic person um which obviously she's so much more complex than that and they've made a lot of like lonely pathetic jokes but it's never Dorothy's always redeemed from it or like yeah. everybody is in on the joke and understands there's more to her. And the same thing with Sophia, she becomes more like of like a sprite, like a like a mischief, like mean person. <laughs> Whereas like, yeah. she's always <laughs> been mean. I mean, look at the fucking pilot, right? Like she's always been mean and crass and sprightly in terms of like, you know, get rich quick schemes and stealing money from the government and like all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know. It, it, she just, they lean really hard into it. Um, and it's, it's so funny. It's like, it, this is a very weird comparison, but it kind of reminds me of like family guy, like was almost like a cult cartoon and then it went away and then they brought it back because of popular demand or whatever. And, uh, much like many of the shows for the early two thousands, like arrested development. But, um, when they brought it back, it was like, they were just like, Oh, we had a lot of funny jokes where a character just like, repeats a word for like a good one minute like 60 seconds and then they're like let's just keep doing that and then you're like wait 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 you can't just keep beating this to death it's sort of and also another comparison might be if anybody watched mad tv uh Mm -hmm. back in the day i feel like they had a lot of great characters and then like the latter seasons they would like the entire show would just be a sketch from the exact same characters over and over again you're like you guys need to write something new like we get it i i I like Stuart, but we have the same. <laughs> the yeah, we love Stuart. We love Lorraine, but time to move on. Exactly. Right, right, right. And that's the thing. So it's like, it's not exactly the same comparison, but you, I can see, and I will highlight as we discuss these episodes, when I think Dorothy is being seen as too pathetic or Sophia is being seen as too mean. But all that is to say, that's not present in this episode. And Sophia is like a perfect blend of exactly who, who she is as a person. Um, as is Dorothy, because Dorothy is a perfect blend of like the funny punchy sarcasm and then also reading what Blanche needs emotionally in this heavy storyline. Yeah, yeah. And like that is the complexity that I think like you're you're right, kind of it's always there to some degree, but it does fade when Dorothy's not like Dorothy and Sophia are not as um complex because even when Sophia makes like the popcorn joke and you know things like that like she there is a bit of like tenderness there and like a bit of 
um, yeah. like sympathy or empathy for, for Blanche. Um, and when it gets to be a little bit, when she's just like constantly barbing Dorothy, it's like, it fades a little bit. Um, but yes. I want to go yeah. back to what you said about Dorothy or about B. Arthur, I guess, like really playing, um, supportive because I think Rue McClanahan in the opening scene when she's sort of telling them about the doctor like she does such a good job of playing obviously afraid without being without being over the top but without being too unsubtle it's like right in the perfect area for someone like Blanche who doesn't yeah. want to be vulnerable, like struggles with showing any bit of vulnerability or like asking for help, but actually does want support and like is really scared. And I think Dorothy is typically the one who's like sort of first at, I mean, all of them, but like in this scene, I guess Dorothy really sort of picks up on that and responds in a way that is so true to friendship I think like when you see your friend unable to actually express themselves the ability to respond the way that you that you know they need you to yeah like that's really something and that's like very um I think it's a really good depiction of a long-standing friendship absolutely I mean and you're you're so right about the way Rue plays this scene because it's like it's the deflecting Blanche Devereaux character, but like to your point of like knowing when your friend who won't like clearly communicate, like, hi, I'm really struggling and I need some emotional yeah. support. Like, <laughs> Can you imagine? not going to say that. <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. Um, but, um, but like reading between the lines of like what she actually needs, but you can see the undercurrent of how scared she is when she's talking about it like even like okay so the, the perfect example of that is the line where she says um he wants to put a pacemaker in me <laughs> you know and Sophia does that everybody's got a nickname for it. it's hysterical and Blanche if you watch her face she has like this super uneasy face reacting to that line and then I'm not saying that she laughs at every single Sophia put down or like line or you know I mean this isn't even this is like tangentially making fun of her slutitude, right? This isn't even like directly attacking it where Blanche usually goes like, oh, you kind of visual, you know, sort of reaction to it. Um, she doesn't really laugh or even crack a smile. Like she has a super uneasy face that just reads like a person would who is only occupied with one thing, like super panic. Like, you know, even if somebody made the funniest joke around you and you are basically traumatized with what's going on like you can't you can't react to it in that way like it just doesn't work and like she just plays it perfectly so it's just a fab, fantastic bit of acting yeah yeah I, I agree and I think um they do such a good job with that because there is so much levity in the scene like there's a lot of like I love the theme of Rose throwing up when she gets scared and like I love like Sophia being like you're not <laughs> embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> we're better than me um I know like Sophia makes the joke about like you're not embarrassed to have him read that smut and all of these like <laughs> things smut. about about that the doctor but you're right Blanche is like present but she's she's not mentally Somewhere and I think else. to be you're able right. to, right. to play that is um you know that is a real skill and and I, I feel like she really does that um and it's uh, it, it, I think it's very realistic, the, the whole scene. Absolutely. It is. It is. It's fantastic. And we all know somebody like Blanche who like cannot, well, I mean, 
probably a lot of us, like probably more than most would react exactly the same as Blanche because our culture is such that it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to express that we're scared. And it's just like, you know, it's hard to face like a very unknown situation, particularly a medical one, right? So it's like, I feel like more, all of us know people like Blanche who would react in that way, which is great that we have, you know, people like Dorothy and Rose and her lullaby. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the, the is the lullaby to- your mother sang to you. <laughs> the only song she knew. Um, I think the word you use deflection is really on on point because that's what it is it's like she she's even though she can't think about anything else she kind of like isn't interested in opening up at this point but she's also not interested in like retreating to her room yet too so there's like so I, I just I think it's like a balance of um how much she's willing to reveal but also um honestly how much she's even she's still processing and I think like that's also like I think this is such a good sort of uh, depiction also of something that is very routine for a medical team, but for you, the person who it's happening to, it's not. And so I think like, there's kind of a little bit of um, sort of the same idea of like Dr. Bud, where it's like, you have to show some humility to patients, even if it doesn't feel like a big deal to you as a doctor, because like, this is a huge deal for Blanche, right? Like that doctor probably went home and didn't even think about it because he's like, not actually concerned about her health probably at this point but yeah it's all she can think about it's just a regular routine yeah exactly exactly which actually why I think is really funny of like the doctor when he's like all my patients have it like a little pre yeah surgery jitters you know and stuff and it's funny because it's like (laughs) I I don't know how I feel about that line because it sort of to me it feels a little dismissing like it's a little she's like she's like every other patient um, to you, but to her, it's an individual situation, right? Like to your point, it's exactly the Dr. Bud thing where it's like, whatever, like you can just like out of hand, like just say something and like think of it as mass numbers that you deal with. But like, I have a unique situation. I actually don't care about anybody else except me right now. (laughs) So you need to reassure me. So it's like, and he's, he's, it's played as kind, but it's just, I, it is a little nit that I have (laughs) with that scene. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to talk quickly about the vacuum slacks because I think that yes. visual of Betty White in those pants, like when oh, you go, is so one great. of the standalone visuals of the series that is like unparalleled physical comedy. And then when she's like, maybe I ought to put it on suck. It's just like Betty White is coming out full blast with the, the comedic acting in this scene. Um, and I love it. It's so goofy. Uh, it's so of the time, like the suck out your fat through this, <laughs> these like big pants. Like it feels very 80s, yeah. late 80s, early 90s to me. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, it's a perfect visual, a perfect scene. They're actually like, I don't know, there's no like good message of like a, having a gif of that, but it should be a gif <laughs> if it's not. <laughs> it's really hilarious. Um, yeah, it's, uh, God. Also, like, I do. I, I guess I don't know any I don't know enough so I'm going to wonder aloud on our podcast I don't know enough about older vacuums but I feel like television tropes like use this a lot as like a conceit of like oh it's the blowing setting on the vacuum and you're like did it have a blowing yes, setting? thank you I, I, re- just, I feel like it doesn't seem yeah 
No, it's so tricky. I feel like I was so messed up by seeing that, that every time I have to blow up an air mattress, I still am like, oh, we can use the vacuum, but we can't. That's that's (laughs) not real. (laughs) That's hysterical. Oh my gosh. Well, it does, it does seem like, uh, let's see, old vacuums, or I guess shop vacs used to. Shop vacs, sure, but Um, I guess that is what they're using. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It does, it does seem, yeah, it does seem like older models did have that. Well, the more you know, look at that. Wow. Very, very funny. Oh my God. I, sorry, I'm just like hilariously live surfing on Quora. And there's another question that's like, how do you get a vomit smell out of of a vacuum? (laughs) My husband vacuumed up vomit. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, I guess he was scared. I, I think to your point, I, I love that you have that in your head where you're just like, yeah, obviously we could use the vacuum. It's so funny. Cause like, I, I remember wondering this as a kid and like, not the vacuums I ever saw had this. What is this bullshit? Wait a minute. That'd be really fun. Right. You know, I yeah. know it's so fun to use them. Anyway, anyway. All right. So back in the hospital, um, do you want to talk about, you want to have a little tidbit about the over there song? Yes, I do. Um, so first it makes so much sense so. that the only, <laughs> I reckon so it makes so much sense that the only song that Rose's mother knew was a World War One song, um, which was actually also popularized in World War Two, basically like reused. Um, and it was written by George. <laughs> they couldn't, uh, they couldn't write new material for the second. No, they, I mean, <laughs> they had a lot going on. Um, That's fucking hilarious. Great Depression. Nobody was writing anything about I know, <laughs> patriotism. I know. Um, but yeah, it's a World War One song uh, that was written in 1917 from George Cohan um that was repopularized in World War II so it also makes sense that they would all sort of know it um and I think it was like I don't know exactly I feel like you know at that time it's kind of like take me out to the ball game like it's playing in in public places and everybody's sort of singing it um and I just I think it's so it's such a good gag and like it's so funny that it comes up twice and then when they're in the hospital and all the girls like join in because they're trying to be supportive and Blanche has like Blanche just like a little embarrassed almost you know she's like oh my god I guess I'm gonna go in <laughs> like, I which I also think is really funny I love I it I think she's sort of just like discombobulated right like she doesn't even know what to think because it's like to our earlier point of like she has all these emotions and she's like I guess I'm ready okay bye like what's <laughs> happening and then all of a sudden these they're yelling this down the hallway and the guy salutes <laughs> she gives that perfect wave in the elevator like okay bye <laughs> I just like this salute is unbelievable it's writing. So well. It's I know. so it's really, good. It's Ugh. really good. It's one of those moments that I want to be on like the wall of the writer's room, you know, and just being like, oh my God, like let's have a guy come over and salute because it so moves him. <laughs> and it's such a real salute. Like it's not a wimpy salute, you know? know, it's like no, he's no, full no, man. posture and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh God. So, so anyways, then we have this like horrible slight against hospital workers, by the way. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Like, I guess because they don't pay them well. I, all right. Sounds good. Whatever. Yeah. They steal from everyone. Um, um, yeah. But I do, I do love the setup where she goes, where's my money, old woman. I knew that would get her up. I was born to heal. <laughs> good. Yeah. Where's my money, old woman. It's something that I use a lot in my personal life. <laughs> Uh, almost never talking to an old woman but um of course exactly, exactly. I also want to talk uh, about looking when, down on myself yeah that's exactly where I'm going 
looking down on myself. <laughs> it gives me um really strong her accent in that delivery is very um like designing women. I feel like it's oh yeah more yeah. present than it. I, or I don't know. Just the delivery of that line. I was like, yeah, that give me real sugar baker vibes. <laughs> yeah, the mirror on your bedroom ceiling. It's so yeah. great. It's like. <laughs> Just like all these little throwaway lines about how kinky Blanche De- Devereaux really is. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. This guy's going thing, antlers. Like, Blanche has been without a date. I know. Blanche has been without a date for weeks. I know that because all of the pictures on my wall are straight. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's really um, Also, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over a few uh other lines um or other scenes just to comment continuing to comment on like how sexual this episode is there's like the you know it's time i hung up my gloves gloves boy you do practice sex (laughs) and then the very very end where she's like i said over there it's like wow she's a very you know she's obviously a great communicator during sex you know telling telling the guy what she likes but i swear to god this might be the raciest line ever on the golden girls uh yeah (laughs) they're talking about you know she's like i just keep remembering how you're not supposed to overload electrical outlets and (laughs) rose says maybe you just shouldn't make love when you're wet (laughs) i i really thought the vibrator joke from the flu was like one of them but man this is that might just be like the raciest line to get past the censors i cannot believe that was on network tv i'm <laughs> blown away and also like what if, honestly though how progressive to have an old lady be saying that because like i am i have that line in my notes and i just have wow <laughs> on the commentary i i am shocked <laughs> my virgin ears <laughs> um, um yeah my virgin ears oh my god <laughs> unbelievable seriously um but yeah i'm i'm just i'm so i'm just yeah i'm just really impressed (laughs) i'm just really impressed uh that that like was delivered that that got across that it's so fucking funny like because obviously like rose just holds her face like well yeah maybe (laughs) it just like totally doesn't get it it's really oh god i just love it so much i i literally rewound it like three times to watch it again because I was dying just like picking apart that scene (laughs) (laughs) oh god um okay anyway back to when you know they she starts um dating Simon again right and like he (laughs) I I actually really like him I really like this character because I think he does a really good job of like you know, just like being like a a regular guy that Blanche dates where he has like this sort of bravado masculinity that she's attracted to, but also is actually seemingly very patient and like really cares about like her coming along. I think the only thing I fucking hate is that he calls her little girl. It's so extra creepy when dudes do that. And I don't think they think about it, but it speaks a lot about our culture where you're just like, okay, there's don't don't say that in the context of saying something sexual <laughs> yes yeah, i agree gross out Ugh, it's gross anyway, yeah yeah i wanted to ask simon? you i have in my notes i wanted to ask you about simon because i think he i agree like for the most part um i even think when he's like 
trying to be supportive and then he's like i think i'll push the car home <laughs> i think that's funny because he's yeah, not yeah, like he's not yeah he's not putting a guilt on her he's just he's being clear about how he feels <laughs> yeah he's growing antlers um yeah and i think that's funny the only question that i have i guess about his portrayal is like it's relatively controlled i think but i think it it broaches the stereotype that like men cannot control their sexual desire and like i don't know i just feel like without the sort of assumption that um he's it's just like what a great guy for waiting for her to be ready right like i guess like that's the I issue see. I see like what you're saying yeah, yeah yeah what do you okay like so he didn't pressure someone into having sex and that makes him a stand-up guy which it does which is yeah. crazy you're you're right you're right there is that assumption it's 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 all in the background i think that that's a really good thing and a really good point a really good thing to pick up on a really good point to make is that i'm reading him from just like the character study but the assumption about the way his character is written is that it's the lowest possible fucking bar for right him, right like i think that is a really good point because it's like he for me i'm reading him as like in a healthy relationship if if sex is going to be part of something between you and obviously anybody that blanche dates it will be something between you then desire is there and that's exciting like i'm reading him as just like no he really likes blanche and he really wants to have sex with her <laughs> you know like right. this is great just like she wants to have sex with him like that's that's healthy that's lovely right that's desire um but to your point in this situation it's like i i don't see the outward pressure of of him but yeah there is this sort of like back backgrounded uh congratulatory vibe right. <laughs> like yeah that's where yeah. and patient <laughs> and i think uh, you know, someone says that to effect an effect of like he's been so patient or she you know she's been he, whatever it is and it's like that's fine whatever it is but but basically maybe i have lowered expectations about the kind of guys that blanche dates but i do like he gets really interesting lines you know he he like he's just he talks a lot more and i think the actor does a great job portraying him he talks a lot more and communicates a lot more than some of blanche's dates do right and like it's important to have him where he you know he's like well what did you think was going to happen right and like he's like talking about um you know he's just like talking about like what are we you know what are we going to do like you know i you know i i if you're going to send me off like this, that's fine. But blah, blah, blah. Well, in this instance, I'll take that as a compliment when she says she doesn't feel any sparks. Right. So like, <laughs> I think I just, I like that they gave him a little bit more dimension, I guess. than some other Yeah. People. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think he's a good, he's a good um, sort of vessel to, to move it along, but yes, um, exactly. yeah, the yeah. assumption about like, just, everybody knows that this guy really needs to have sex and like, it, like it just it, know, it is it's about the assumption it's not really about the portrayal you're right that's where my objection is um totally but I like Simon and I think I think they have really good chemistry too like like physical chemistry but also like when he's like they all lead perfectly normal lives like it does feel deeper than just like a a Mel Bushman situation like it feels like they're actually dating Correct. um and then <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> the uh the one thing I want to talk about that um switching gears a tiny bit is just like the visual of Sophia running back and forth in the movies to read subtitles <laughs> really makes you laugh oh my god I, like, know. <laughs> I know I <laughs> know great writing <laughs> oh god it's ridiculous 
that's hilarious um oh one more thing about simon just as a fashion note <laughs> mm. <laughs> first their date his jacket is like way too big and he has his like shirt cuffs folded over his sleeves <laughs> it's just like really a little weird. boy <laughs> i don't know yeah, I don't know if anybody will pick that up. I was like, that's very, very strange. Um, also, the whole, like, it's just like, usually your dates end with a little pillow talk. Yeah, like, what did you say your name was again? <laughs> it's really, really funny. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake. Um, also, let's, can we talk about the, the scene where she's talking about the um, out-of-body experience that didn't get back in all the way? <laughs> yeah. So Sophia is like, like, she's the one talking with her about this. Right. And it's so funny. And when she's like, yeah, I try and discuss science with kids. And then she like gestures, you know, <laughs> in the air. this is actually like, I don't think it was intended as such, but it could be a callback. Like when she had her own out-of-body experience, when she had the bubble, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of an interesting like connection. Yeah, totally. Makes me want a popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So great. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's a really, it's a, it's a good episode. It makes a good point as like, I think it is hilarious that Blanche being black or white is like, oh, let me just take my pulse over Simon's neck and, uh, okay, well, uh, since we kissed and nothing happened, let's go fuck. Yeah, it's a real zero to 60 (laughs) situation. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, this, this, um, I guess we've sort of, described it in in any other terms but like she really is sort of like an all or nothing type person and so I feel like yes now after this one time like she will go back to living a perfectly normal life like she won't even think about it you know it just takes like one moment for her and she can have Um, yeah (laughs) a win for all (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a great point to make. It's unfortunate that they had the misinformation about microwaves in there in the first place, but obviously it's been, uh, it's been corrected, but, um, but yeah, anyway, go get your checkups, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else for this one? Nope. That's it. All righty. Well, join us next time. We're going to discuss the uh, wildly contentious issue of opposite side of the street parking. And uh, we're going to be joined by Barrett and Kay from So Good We Named It. Woo! Take care, buddy.